Hey mama, I have a treat for you today. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Elizabeth Urbanowitz. She is first and foremost a follower of Jesus and she is so passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. So she was a teacher and then realized that even though she's teaching in a Christian school, a lot of the kids are coming from Christian homes. They were still having to face these secular ideas and some were even walking away from Jesus. So in our conversation today, we are going to delve into what is a worldview, the tension between wanting to shelter our kids, but also wanting them to be light and still be out in the world living life. And we're also going to share what Elizabeth really shares about is what we can do as mums to help bring our kids up with the biblical foundation of truth so that even as they go into school and into their teen years and beyond, they are still walking with Jesus, understanding the truth of the gospel. So I know that you are going to love today's conversation with Elizabeth Abanowitz from Foundation Worldview. Let's get into it. Hey mama, do you want to balance maintaining your home, cooking, cleaning, all the things you have to do as a stay-at-home mum whilst being present with your family? Do you find yourself up late at night, scattered, thinking about all the things you didn't get done and so need to do tomorrow? Is your greatest desire for your littles to know and love Jesus? Hey, I'm Elise. When I became a mum, I felt overwhelmed and wished that I could just stay on top of everything. I wanted to be there for my family and yet all these things still had to get done. I was worried that I would spend this time too busy and miss it until I found the secret, partnering with God, even in our home life. In this podcast, you will find tactical tips for homemaking, help for your low-tox journey, as well as biblical parenting so that you will find God's joy and experience his peace in motherhood. Welcome to Wholesome Mama. It's time to go grab your cup of tea, reheat it because you know, and let's get into today's episode. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the Wholesome Mama show with me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, it's my pleasure, Elise. Thanks for having me on. So before we get into the goodness that you have uh, to share with us, can you just quickly introduce yourself, what you do with uh, the audience? Yes. So my name is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and I started off my professional career as an elementary teacher in a Christian school here in the U.S. And several years into my teaching experience, I just noticed that the students in my classroom, they came from these great Christian homes. I was giving them a biblically-based education all day long. They were fairly involved in church, yet they were rapidly absorbing ideas from culture without any question. So that's when I really sought out just, you know, how can I get these kids that God has placed in my care to think carefully? So now I run a ministry called Foundation Worldview, where we create resources for parents to get their kids to carefully evaluate the ideas they encounter and understand the truth of the biblical worldview. I love that. And can I just say, I pray that my kids have teachers like you through their schooling who mm-hmm. really want to, we send our kids to a Christian school and mm-hmm. because of that, because I want um, my kids' teachers to have that um, yeah. at their forefront of their mind. So can we, let's talk about this worldview. Can you describe for us what is a worldview? 
Yes, that's a good question that I love to answer. And the way that I usually answer it, because the way I teach it to kids is I just say that a worldview is like a mental map. So it's like a map we have in our minds of what we believe is true about life and the world around us. And this mental map affects the thoughts we think, the things we say, and the things that we do. And so everybody has one of these mental maps. Some people's mental map lines up with what's true and some people's doesn't. And so what we want is to make sure that we have an understanding of the world that is true, that's aligning with scripture. I love that. So can you talk to us to, I guess, start off with, as Christian parents, we really want um our the worldview that we're teaching our kids and we want our kids to grow up with a biblical worldview as their foundation so how do we then um I guess it's almost like a tension do you think it's important for us to teach our children to be aware of other worldviews um like are there benefits of doing that as well as the Christian worldview at the same time I love that question because that's such an excellent question because we know that we're living in the world, which mm -hmm. means that we're naturally exposed to ideas that do not align with scripture. You know, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And I think a lot of times as Christian parents, we may be very hesitant to directly expose our children to the ideas of other worldviews because it thinks we might think like, oh, you know, like what if our kids are actually drawn to this, you know, or what if we confuse them? And my response um, is always to say, you know, our children are exposed to these things, whether we like it or not, you know, even if we don't have any screens in our home, which is very rare, <laughs> um, you know, our kids are still going to be exposed to different ideas just by being out in society and culture as we're called to be. And so I think it's really important for us to just systematically and in very small doses introduce our children to the ideas of competing worldviews so that we can train them to evaluate these ideas. An analogy I like to give is of hand sanitizer, you know, just the alcohol-based, you know, the stuff that you rub on your hands to kill germs. And I happen to be a germaphobe. And um, my first year of teaching, I got sick a lot, like most first-year teachers. Then the second year, you're supposed to get sick a little bit less. You're supposed to have a little more immunity. And then by your third year, you're supposed to be, you know, good to go. Where I got sick more my second year and my third year, I got sick even more. So eventually I went to the doctor and I said, okay, I need some help figuring out what's going on. Like I'm tired of being on more rounds of antibiotics. And so he, he asked me some questions and then he said, okay, Elizabeth, I think what's going on is you're using hand sanitizer like 50 plus times a day. And what you're doing is when you use that hand sanitizer all the time, you're not letting your body get exposed to these germs in small doses. He said, so before you eat, you know, before you rub your eyes, I want you to wash your hands, but stop using the hand sanitizer. And what do you know? I stopped using it and I stopped getting sick. <laughs> and I think it's very similar with our kids that if we're just trying to sanitize everything, you know, and keep them away from the ideas of the world, we're then leaving them very vulnerable for when they are exposed to those ideas, where if we can systematically expose them to those ideas, help them break them down, evaluate them, then when they are confronted with those ideas, you know, whether it's in a conversation with a friend, in an advertisement, on YouTube or TikTok, they're already prepared to know what that is and they have a natural immunity towards it. Yeah, it's a tension, isn't it, between sheltering them because you want to protect them, um, but also you want to be, I remember when we, we did a parenting course when our kids were, they're still little, but when they were even more little <laughs> and um, they, 
it was in regards to the topic of sex and they kind of said that you the first time they hear it is what sets the standard so if you as the parent are setting a biblically sound truth um you know and that's just kind of something that I have taken into Mm. my everyday parenting and especially you know when things like now um I'm having to like in Australia this is the first year that really like Halloween has been a big thing over here um Mm. and I'm kind of like oh what what do we do because we've never it's like it's not a thing over here like it is in the states okay um and so like that question and then like gender and you know like everything that's now being taught in mainstream schools and all that that's happening a lot younger um I'm going okay well I really need to have the word of God as our foundation for our kids worldview Yes. And I love what you, you know, that point that you brought up that whoever is like the first one to talk to kids about it, you know, they're setting the stage and the standard. And so specifically when we are thinking about these big cultural issues like gender and sexuality, if we wait until our kids are exposed to some deviation from God's good design, and then we have that conversation, you know, their first understanding is going to be like, oh, this whole topic is something bad where if we can just, like you said, lay that foundation of the positive biblical theology, that when they encounter something that's a deviation from that, we've already set the stage to have a conversation about God's good design. So just love your, love your philosophy there, Elise. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important, isn't it? So let's, let's go into that a bit deeper and let's talk about truth, because I think a lot of the time we think, um, we think that our feelings are the ultimate truth. Well, I'm feeling this, so it must be true. Um, which I, I think is, and you know, there's there's parenting styles and different things that really go into that. Um, but if I was, if I personally was to go off my feelings being <laughs> the ultimate truth, we would be in a world of trouble. <laughs> yeah. So what are, what are some tools um, that we can do to help our children to discern when their emotions are pointing to truth and pointing to the word of God, but when, how they can discern that their emotions are actually deceiving them. Mm. Yeah, that's a really important question because as you mentioned, everything in secular culture is saying, if you feel it, it must be true. You know, that's what you're supposed to follow. And as you already mentioned, that is really detrimental (laughs) when we do that. Um, So I think the first thing, especially when we're talking about working with little kids, like ages seven and younger, we need to make sure that we kind of... um, give legs to words. And what I mean by give legs to words is just like have a working definition that our kids can understand. So when I'm working with little kids, I just give the simple definition of just saying truth is what is real. Truth is what is real. And so first I just give, you know, that distinction between true and not true. And I'll play a game with kids, you know, and I'll give them some sentences and say, okay, if I say a sentence that is true, that shows what's real, I want you to spread your arms open wide and shout true as loud as you can. And if I tell you a silly sentence, that's not true. I want you to cross your arms like an X and say, not true. And then I'll just give them, you know, sentences like puppies are baby dogs or puppies run on the ceiling, you know, things like that, that they're going to have fun with. And we'll just work on the difference between true and not true. Then the next time I'll add in 
feelings. And we'll talk, we'll talk about, oh, our feelings are inside of us and they're always changing. Like show me a happy face, a sad face, a frowning face. And then I'll give them sentences and I'll say, okay, I want you to tell me if this sentence represents something that's true. Then you spread your arms out wide and yell true or something that is a feeling. And then you hug yourself and say feeling. And so I'll give them some more true sentences and then some feeling or preference-based sentences like, you know, swing sets are the best or Friday is a great day of the week or chocolate chip cookies are yummy. Just so that they can identify those feelings and we'll play that game. And then after that, talk about, you know, sometimes our feelings trick us. Sometimes our feelings are going to point us towards what is true. And sometimes they're going to point us away from what is true. And so then even just giving them, you know, situations that not in the moment, not in the heat of the moment when they're feeling emotional about things, but, you know, um, if, if you have an example, you know, where one of your children thought that his younger brother stole his toy truck you know, and he got really angry and called him a mean name. And then he found out that the toy truck was underneath his bed, you know, or in his lunchbox or somewhere. And then talk about, okay, that feeling of anger, that point you towards what is true to that point you away from it. Well, pointed you away from it because you were believing something that was not true. Um, so then we want to have our kids always be asking, you know, is this feeling pointing you towards the truth or away from the truth? Now, again, in the heat of the moment, when your child is throwing a temper tantrum, or, you know, they've just had an argument, that's not the time to ask, is this feeling pointing you towards the truth or away from the truth. You know, they just need to calm down. But afterwards, when we have a conversation with them, you know, 10 minutes later, a half hour later, can talk through, okay, did that feeling point you towards the truth or away from the truth? Because as you mentioned, Elise, you know, there's different parenting styles and, um, you know, some are very emotion heavy and we don't want to have our kids negate their emotions because mm -hmm. we know from a biblical worldview that being created as emotional beings is part of being created in God's image. But the thing we need to recognize is that we're living on the other side of Genesis chapter three, we're living on the other side of the fall. So that means that sometimes our emotions are not going to point us to truth. So if we can equip our kids to always ask that question, is this feeling pointing me towards the truth or away from the truth? We're really teaching them a healthy processing of their emotions that we're not just saying, you know, ignore your emotions, stuff your emotions, your emotions are bad, but we're teaching them rather than negating their emotions or blindly following their emotions, we're teaching them to discern their emotions. Mm, I love that. And I think that that is such a good starting point as well for, for young kids to, you know, just the basic simplicity of, is this, is this pointing me to the truth or not? Like just mm -hmm. starting there um, and then, and then building on it as they get older and as they develop and as more things come up. And I, I think too, I, I don't have older kids um, yet, obviously, but um, that it would be the similar thing when we get into things like, um, you know, false gospels and things like that, that it would kind of be a similar um, building block of how to help our kids to discern false gospels. Do you just want to touch on on that, what, what a false gospel is and and how we can help our kids to discern them? Yes. So like you mentioned, this is like the basic building block that they have to understand what is truth and how does truth sometimes differ from emotions. And so when we're thinking about false gospels, well, the first thing we have to know is what is the true gospel, you know, so we think about, you know, what is the true gospel of Jesus Christ? And that is that God is good, that he created humans in his image and that we rebelled against him. So therefore we're fallen. So we have this incredible value as God's image bearers, and we're also terribly broken beyond our own repair as these fallen 
image bearers. And then the truth of the gospel is that God didn't just leave us stuck here, but he sent Jesus, his, you know, God, the son, the second person, in the Trinity, you know, put on human flesh and live the perfect life we could never live, died in our place and rose again to new life. And now we we don't have to do anything. All we have to do is turn from our sin and trust in Jesus, you know, and we are reconciled to God and we're clothed in his righteousness. So when we just look at what is the truth, we see the truth about the goodness of creation, you know, the seriousness of the fall, and then, you know, the redemption that is in Jesus alone. So there are so many things in our culture, whether it's even within Christian culture or outside of it, that are teaching a different narrative that we have to look at, okay, what, what is the narrative of creation here? What is the narrative of the fall here? And what is the narrative of redemption here? So in some, I don't know if it's quite as popular in Australia, but progressive Christianity is becoming very popular in the United States. And so, you know, the story of, you know, creation and progressive Christianity is very similar that, you know, like God created us, we're good, we're created in his image. And then the story of the fall is that's where we see some deviation from the truth that it's not like, you know, like that we're totally depraved and not meaning that we're as wicked as that we could be. You know, that's not what total depravity means in Christian um, theology, just that we've been broken, you know, in, in every part of our being. And it's more like, well, you know, you have, Christ in you already, you know, like there's, there's goodness in you already. And so we see that deviation from the truth. And then, you know, the, um, the remedy for that is seeing, just realizing how beautiful we are and how, you know, like we're already part of God. And so we see that that's completely different than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when we look at secular culture, you know, we even see secular gospels, you know, that we are the accidental product of blind, unguided evolution, you know, that we're just this accidental product of time and chance, you know, and what's really wrong with the world? Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with the world. It's just, you know, as R Richard Dawkins says, you know, like when we're dancing to the tune of our DNA, you know, some people are going to get lucky and some people are going to get hurt, <laughs> you know, and what's the way to save us? You know, well, there's really no salvation needed. We just create our own meaning and our own purpose and we live the best that we can, you know, until we become dust again. And so if we can teach our kids the truth of the gospel, you know, of this creation created good in God's image, fallen, you know, by sin and corrupted by sin and then redeemed through Jesus alone, then whenever we encounter one of these other gospels in culture, whether it's in Christian culture or in secular culture, we can ask our kids, okay, what, you know, like, what is the story of creation here? What is the story of the fall here? What is, how are we redeemed in this way? And that can just give our kids a framework that they can implement, you know, anytime they encounter a different worldview. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, can we just swing back to talking about um, sheltering our kids again? Yes. Um, what are some things that we can practically do to balance the tension between, um, you know, not wanting to expose them too much or too soon, um, but also we want them we want them to be light in the world. We don't, you know, we don't want them if we shelter them too much, we then end up with them being very vulnerable, um, you know, and I saw that with a lot of my friends who were, mm -hmm. I would say, were sheltered. Um, and, you know, when we finished school and went out into the world, it was actually a big shock for them. Um, so, you know, we, we want to equip them to deal with the world and, and be light. But how, what are some practical things that we can do to set up our kids to, 
walk with Jesus? Yeah, that's another great question. And I always like to tell people that, you know, protecting our kids does not equal complete isolation. Mm. It equals preparation, you know, that we need to prepare them to live in the world. And you've already mentioned, you know, that there are some things that we do need to keep our kids away from. You know, there's certain things that are just vile, you know, like when we think of pornography, like obviously, like that's something that we're going to do everything in our power to keep our kids away from and prepare them to say no to, you know, because there's nothing redeemable about that. But then when it comes to, you know, we live in a secular culture and we have neighbors and friends and even family members, you know, who are lost. And so a few things that I think are really, really important one, grounding our kids in God's word so that they know the truth. And a lot of times what we do is we tend to just, um, you know, read a devotional book or plan a Bible lesson. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but we really need to equip our children to be able to read and interpret and apply scripture on their own so that they can continually seek God through his word. So I think that's something that's foundational. As we talked about before, also, just in in healthy doses, exposing our kids to the ideas of the world and helping them evaluate them, that that's something that's really important. And then another thing that's, that I really think is foundational, it might sound a little bit out of place here, but I really think that it's foundational, is practicing biblical hospitality. And I think that that's foundational for two reasons. Is One, we really have to develop deep, intimate relationships with those in the body of Christ who are near us because scripture is clear that, you know, it's not just us and Jesus when we're saved, that yes, Jesus saves us individually, but he doesn't save us unto ourselves. He saves us unto himself and his body. And so we're united with Jesus and with the body of Christ in very real ways. And so we want to practice that biblical hospitality in creating those relationships with other believers in our homes, but also biblical hospitality in inviting our neighbors into our homes, you know, so it's just not a strange thing, you know, our atheist next door neighbor or our Muslim next door neighbors, you know, our Hindu next door neighbors, but that we can actually develop relationships because I think one of the dangers and one of the things that a lot of times draws kids in Christian homes away from the truth of Christianity is if we're just always presenting like, oh, you know, like those people out there, you know, who are not part of us, we're, we're not presenting an accurate picture of, you know, those people out there who are not Christians, because by God's common grace, you know, there are some very, very nice people who don't know Jesus. And so we can show the love of Christ and the heart of the gospel by opening up our homes to our neighbors, you know, who don't know Jesus and just getting to know them and enjoying them and also eventually sharing the truth of the gospel with them. So I think those are three really important things, you know, grounding our kids in God's word so they know how to read it independently. And then, you know, preparing them by exposing them in small doses to the ideas of the world and then practicing biblical hospitality. So building deep relationships in the body of Christ and then with our neighbors who are not Christians as well. I love that. So really it's, 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 it's as if we as parents can get our priorities, right? Mm -hmm. So like focusing on, um, I just kind of, when you were talking about relationship with the body of Christ, my mind just went, whoo. <laughs> of like you know all these train thoughts train thoughts thought trains um and you know like how I'm how I relate to my husband is going to show them is demonstrating the truth of the gospel how how we as parents relate to our kids relate to um our neighbors whether they you know our Christian friends in our church or our um non-Christian 
physical neighbors. Um, but then I was thinking as well, like things like serving at church and getting them involved in like, this is, this is what we do as a family. Um, you know, having those priorities as part of that foundation. Um, but so important. I loved the hospitality. Um, and I would completely agree with you is showing them how to how to live out the life of those biblical priorities of, you know, it's God first and then it's my husband, you know, he comes before the kids and then it's the kids and, you know, we, we go to church, we serve at church, um, but we can still love our neighbours. Mm, absolutely. Yep. And I like the way that you phrased that with getting our priorities right because, you know, if, if these things are add-ons, you know, one, we're not going to have the time to disciple our kids. Well, and two, our kids are going to see that, you know, they, they understand better than anyone else because they're with us, you know, in our good moments and our not so shining moments, you know, they understand who we are and what we prioritize. And so if we really want them to be faithfully following Jesus, we have to live that out. So love the way that you said that. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Did you, um, just to wrap up, do you have any final advice or encouragement for any mums who are listening out there going, how am I meant to raise my kids in this world? Yeah. So for the weary mom out there, just want to offer you encouragement, just as a reminder that, um, you know, as, as is clear as scripture, that your strength is not sufficient, but God's is you know, and we can rest in his grace. Um, we can know that in our imperfect moments, you know, that, that his power is made perfect. We can also just model for our kids, you know, a huge part of the Christian life is confession and repentance. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how we come to know Christ. So, um, our kids don't need a perfect mom, but our kids do need a mom who is following Jesus. And, you know, when she sins that she confesses, and repents both to the Lord and to her kids, you know, that's one of the greatest examples. So, and just also want to encourage you with the reminder that, um, parenting kids is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And especially those of you with little kids right now, I know it's so overwhelming, you know, just physically exhausting, but just as a reminder that, you know, this, um, God gives you the grace that you need for today. He gives each of us the grace we need for today and not the grace that we need for tomorrow. He'll give that to us tomorrow. And just to remember you're in it for the long haul and God is faithful. Oh, so beautiful. Can you just quickly share where uh, anyone can get in touch with you or find out more about Foundation Worldview if they want to hear more? Yes. So if you go to the website, foundationworldview.com, you can find all of our resources there. Uh, our goal is really to do a lot of the work for you. If you're thinking like, oh my goodness, how do I teach my kids how to read scripture? Or how do I you know, expose them to other worldviews? Our goal is to create videos through curriculums that you can just press play and watch with your kids and you can learn along right side them because we know that moms are so busy and you have so many responsibilities. So if you go to foundationworldview.com, we have curriculums, we have um, webinars, podcasts, blogs, book clubs, all of those um, great things that are meant to just bless you and help you as you're on this journey of raising your kids in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on today. It's been a pleasure to host you and to chat to you. Oh, thank you so much for making time to connect. Well, that wraps up another episode and I pray that you were blessed by today's conversation and really got something out of it for you to take into your motherhood this week. 
If you did get something out of today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review so I know that you're loving the show. You can also come and chat on Instagram. The handle is at Wholesome Mama. And don't forget, we have a Facebook community too with mums just like you who are in the trenches of mothering littles. So come and join us over there as well. The link for everything is always in the show notes. Have a beautiful week, mum. Be blessed and I will be with you next week.